This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. All that remains for me now is to introduce today's speaker, the amazing Andrea Parry. She's my sister-in-law. I'm a bit scared of her, so I've got to be very positive and all the rest of it. She moves around a lot, so I'm putting this here, but she'll be over there, she'll be up there, she'll be everything else. But seriously, I love her. She always brings a really powerful word. She's really anointed in her preaching, so let's give her a round of applause as she comes up, and let's just be ready for a real feast on God's Word, okay? I feel like I've been really, really set up there now, isn't it? So I'm going to try and make this an extra 10% good, okay? I was aiming for 65%, but I'm going to edge it up to 75% for all of you. Um, Good morning. He is risen! Amen. Isn't that the most wonderful thing? And in, you know, to commemorate that today, I'm using technology. Yeah, not pen and paper. I've gone off old school, so we're doing this. Listen, Easter Sunday kind of writes itself, really, isn't it? I was thinking, what do you, what do you teach? What do you teach on Easter Sunday? And you know, really, what don't you teach? Today, we're just going to talk about Jesus. Is that all right? I haven't even got a title. Can we put the, the first slide up? I haven't even got a title for this because what can you say? So Spurgeon summed it up for me. Martin shared this on Good Friday and I've nicked it. But in my defense, he nicked it from Spurgeon. So, you know, we're acknowledging our sources. Nobody can sue. We're all good with that. Right. My entire theology can be condensed into four words. Jesus died for me. That's all I'm going to talk about today. If you want a title for this, call it Jesus Died for Me. And we're just going to talk about our Saviour, our wonderful Saviour. We're going to talk about his death on the cross, and we're going to talk about his glorious resurrection. Amen? Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm hissing and stuff here. Is that okay? Can you hear me? Lucky. Can you see me? Even luckier. There we go. Okay, so this is over here. The lights are broken this morning, so we've got some mood lighting. So I prefer that because it's a bit more unfor- bit more forgiving on the wrinkles. So I look just like a film star. Like a film star. I do walk around a lot, I should warn you. That's probably because, okay, insight into my world, I get quite nervous if I'm stood still. And actually, I've got flappy trousers on today, so if I was stood still, you'd just see that as opposed to that. Look at those. Look at those babies. Primark. There we go. Right, so here we go. We're going to put the first scripture up. This is John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Here we go. We are talking about Jesus. Now, this is what you have to know. Jesus is not a footnote in the New Testament. He is in every sentence, comma, full stop of the Old Testament. The Bible is all about Jesus. And the function of the Old Testament is to point to Jesus in the New Testament. And we kick off the New Testament here in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it, and the darkness will never overcome it. Amen. He is light. He is life. He is all glorious. Jesus was never the plan B for humanity. God knew at the point of creation that Jesus would come to save mankind. Amen. God had you in mind from the day of creation. 
God had your salvation and your redemption in his mind from the day of creation. When he was creating man, he was thinking of saving you. Amen. Amen. And this is the hope and life of the Christian that God loves us. And he loves us so much, he sent Jesus to die for us. He didn't just think of that at the time when things had gone a little bit awry. And he thought, oh, hey, what shall I do now? Back at the creation of the earth, God was thinking of us. Ah, me- do you know what? You muttered, amen. I'm not being funny. You did a little bit of muttering. But I think that is a great big amen to our Lord, and our Lord God. He is... So glorious. He is so redemptive. He is so sacrificial. He is so kind. He is so loving. And he poured himself out for us. For us! I don't deserve it. I don't know. You might be sitting there going, well, actually, Andrea, I do. And that's fine. You might not think of yourself as anything, but as for me, I'm on Paul's side. You know, I am the worst of sinners. I am the worst of sinners. And that Jesus died for me, hallelujah and amen. And he would have done it just for me. Even if I was the only one, he'd have done it just for me. He'd have done it just for you if you were the only one. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So you know what? Why? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Why was this word in the beginning? Why did this word that became flesh, why did the word have to become flesh? Why did God have to send his son? It starts in the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? At the fall of man, we got the fall of man, John Milton calls it. It's all very, you know, dramatic. What happened? Sin happened. You know what? We were created with free will, as were Adam and Eve. They just did their own thing. And God goes, that's awesome, except it's not. So, you know, now you were created perfect, but now you're living in sin. And and from there it goes on. So God has to redeem. So we get to Moses. You all know Moses, yeah? Again, about four of you went, "Mm, yeah, I do. I do. We're in church. We're in church. You do know Moses, don't you? Well done, correct answer. You're all going to hell, by the way, right? You know, come on. Okay, so we all know Moses. At this point, the Israelites were taken out of Egypt and rescued, yes? Bunch of moaning minis, I grant you. But also terribly naughty. And there had to be a law because they were just doing their own stuff. And God says, you know what? I'm a little bit irked with you all doing your own thing because I am, I am. I'm the only one you should be worshipping. And you guys, with this golden calf business, and mourning, and everything, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will keep you going round in circles in the promise, in the desert, until you get to the promised land. A journey that should have taken days, will take 40 years, because you lot can't button this. Right? So I will just keep you going round, and round, and round, and round, until you realise, I am God. I am he who leads you. I am he who rescues you. Okay? That's another sermon, if you're going round in the wilderness... Cast your eyes upon God. That's another sermon. We'll move on. So all this is happening. So God goes, do you know what? You need to be guided into righteousness because I am all righteousness, says the Lord. And in order for you to worship me, I will obviously give you some guidelines. But you know what? There is no redemption. You have sinned. So in order to be righteous, there will be a law. Yes? And we all know what that law is, don't we? Observe the speed limit. No. All that law is is the Ten Commandments. Everyone went like that. As I said, the law is the Ten Commandments. Yeah. People are thinking, I don't know what the law is. What's she going to say next? This is the Ten Commandments. You all know this stuff. 
listen, today I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. It's just stuff we have to engage our brain and our heart to believe. Yeah? You all know this stuff, so stop believing it. That's what I have to tell myself, and I was doing this last night. So the law was given, downloaded from the cloud onto the tablet. Yeah? You all saw that on Facebook? I did. I laughed. Right, so it's all there in front of you. Now, the law could not redeem man. Not one person was ever saved because of the law. The law was a way of life. It was not a way of redemption. There could not be any self-redemption. The law couldn't save. So Jesus came to save man. So when he says, I fulfill all the laws and the prophets, that's what he was doing. God says, I will keep you here worshipping me and observing the law until such a time as I send Jesus. Yes? You all get that? Amen. So in the New Testament, we have traveled through and we get to the cross. Can you put up the chapter, the, the verses from Luke, please, Lee? And what happens is Jesus, at the time of his birth, everything about his life was fulfilling prophecies that were given to us in the Old Testament. His life was fulfillment after fulfillment after fulfillment after fulfillment. And it culminates at the cross. Okay? Not that one, sorry. Lee, Luke 23. And what his death does for us is it atones us. The creator of all things had to die because no one created could save man. You with me? So the only person who could save mankind was the person who was spotless and without blame. A person who goes beyond creation because he is the creator. A person who goes beyond light because he is the light. A person who goes beyond life because he is the life. Yes, the only person who could save mankind was God, and he did that in the person of Jesus. Jesus came as a man. He did not come as God on this earth. He came as God in the form of man on this earth. He was fully man, fully God, fully God and man. That is the person of our Redeemer. Yes? Amen. So all of Jesus was not just like killing time until he got to 30 and could die on a cross. Every step he took, every breath he took, every cry he made, everything about him, every meal he ate, every conversation he had with his mother, every bit of carpentry he did, everything was fulfilling the law and the prophets until such a time as he poured out his life for humankind. He lived church. You get that, right? Because we focus on his death and his resurrection. But before that, he lived. And he lived his life. And he lived his life perfectly. Perfectly. Everything he did, he heard from the Father and, le and lived out. Is that not an example for us? That before his death, to and it was his death that fulfilled the prophecies, his life fulfilled them also. Do you see? Because his life was his life. So the person who could not be created by man, who surpasses everything, was the only one who could redeem us. At the time of the crucifixion, people were piling into Jerusalem because it was the Feast of Passover. The Feast of Passover was a feast that was given back in the time of Moses, yes? And it was when the angel of death passed over. Pharaoh had decreed that all the firstborn boys would be killed. 
So the Hebrews slaughtered lambs and painted blood over their doors so that when the angel of death came to take the firstborn, he would pass over. Got it? Sacrifice had to be made. The law for redemption, which it can't do, but just to maintain a state of righteousness until full redemption came in the form of the Messiah, had to be achieved through blood. We all okay with that? Okay. So the Hebrews slaughtered lambs, Passover lambs. The Passover lamb was specifically bred. It was the most perfect lamb. These, you know, it was so pure. It was the firstborn lamb. It was kept for specific holy purpose, where its blood would be shed to atone for the sin of all the peoples before God. The most high priest would slaughter the lamb for the people. At the point of the crucifixion, Jesus became that perfect lamb. When we praise the lamb of God, we praise the most perfect sacrificial lamb ever. The sacrifice had to be slaughter, but no bones would be broken in the lamb. Jesus went to the cross unbroken and died unbroken. The scriptures tell us not a bone of his will be broken. So Jesus died unbroken to fulfill the scripture as the perfect lamb to sacrifice, not just for the sins of the people, but for everything of the people, for the lives, the sin, everything for the people was fulfilled at that one point of crucifixion. Jesus is the perfect sacrificial lamb, hence he is the lamb of God. You understand? And he died unbroken so that we, his people, can live unbroken. So we do not fear death. We do not fear the curse of sin upon us. We do not fear what people do to us, the tragedies and traumas that sometimes we allow to define our life. Jesus comes and he says, no, I died unbroken so you can live unbroken. I die unshackled so you don't have to be bound by that anymore. So when your past whispers in your ear in the dead of night, tell him, Jesus is my future. Jesus is my present. He is my everything. The devil, let's talk about the devil today, right? Because he thought he won that day. The devil wants to remind you of your past. Jesus tells you you've got a hope and a future. And he bought that for you on the cross at Calvary. Amen. Amen. This is a hopeful message. And on the cross, the devil thought he'd won. Do you know what he was doing to God? He was with God. He went to him and he presented. This is notes from um, house group. I'm just going to tell. Don't worry about it, okay? Martin wrote these, but I love them. The devil presented God with an itemized bill of everything you have ever done wrong. Everything you have ever done wrong, everything you are ever going to do wrong, every thought you've ever had, every single person, the devil went, and there you go, God, I win. And at his death, when Jesus cries out, it is finished, he says, paid in full. He bought you with his blood, which brings us to his death. What does his death buy for us? I'll tell you what his death buys for us. It buys us atonement and redemption. Atonement in the Old Testament meant to cover. The blood of sacrifice would be used to cover the altar. It covered the door frames of the Hebrews so the angel of death would pass over. Atonement means to cover. You see, when God forgives your sin, he doesn't just wipe it to one side and say, I won't think about that again. He covers it and says, I choose not to remember. And in the New Testament, as we travel through to the cross, 
Jesus now, there's a new Greek word for it. I was looking it up, but I don't read Greek, sadly, so I can't tell you what the Greek word is. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Andrea, why do you bother keeping a teenager in your house if you can't Google Greek words? And I would have to agree with you. (laughs) He hasn't earned his keep this weekend. But anyway, there is a different Greek word for atonement in the New Testament. You love how Jesus, how God takes the Old Testament and completes it in the New Testament. So now it doesn't just mean to cover. In the New Testament, when we talk about atonement, it means an exchange. Do you see? Not only does he cover your sin, he exchanges your sin for righteousness. He exchanges your sin for righteousness. So when you stand before him, you stand in redemption. And you know what? Key marks of redemption are humility and gratitude. You remember what you've been saved from. And golly gosh, are you grateful for it? That's all Jesus asks. (laughs) You remember what I saved you from? Mm, I don't want to think about it. Good, don't think about it. Just be grateful I died. Okay, okay. That's all he wants. I love you. Thank you. Hey, we're done. That's all he wants. I love you. I thank you. I follow you. Good old. Yes? So redemption. Redemption is the culmination of atonement. It is the outpouring. When someone is redeemed, how do they behave? Differently. That's the bottom line of it. When you meet a redeemed person, they are different. I am not the person I used to be. Thank the Lord. And that's the story for all of us. I know some of you better than I know others here, but I hope in the future we can get to know each other better and we will share our redemption stories. That goes, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Hallelujah. And we should rejoice with every story we hear. Shouldn't we? We should praise the Lord for every redemption story we hear because not only is he covering our sin, he has exchanged it for righteousness. So when the Bible tells us you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what he's saying is, do you know what you were once? Now you're totally different. Now you stand before God as though you were Jesus. What? He calls us co-heirs with Christ. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be a co-beneficiary in God's will. But that's what God says I am. God says, see, everything that's mine, you share it with Jesus. Hallelujah and amen. Right? Brothers and sisters, you know, please start living out that truth, that reality. That's what we need to do. So it's good to know this, but now we start to live it. Yes, about not being shackled by what we thought we were or by our past or by what people think of us. You know, God is going, if you do that, that's fine. You know what? That's your choice because you've got free will. So that's your choice. But what you do every time that happens is it's like Jesus never died. And we know he did. At the point of his death, so many things happened. There was an earthquake. The sky went black. Jesus cries out with his dying breath, it's finished, and died. Nobody does that. Okay, I have been a nurse for about 100 years. And there are other nurses in the building and medics in the building. We know that is not how people die. People don't predict the time of their death and hear it like that and go, this is it, I'm going. But you know what? The Godhead, the three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit, at that point of Jesus' death was broken for the first time in history. For the first time, the Trinity didn't exist because Jesus took on all the sin of mankind and God cannot be in the presence of sin. 
So at the point of his death, God had to turn his back on Jesus. And that's why Jesus screams out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time, he couldn't feel the presence of the Father. Imagine that heartbreak. Imagine having to turn your back on your child at the point of their death and say, I don't know you. I don't know you. But at that point, there was an earthquake. Dead people rose from the grave. There was an eclipse. It went black. The temple curtain, it's like I just created a prop. Right? Here we go. Tore. It was bigger than this. Tore from top to bottom. Not bottom to top so nobody could do it. Apparently the temple curtain was so thick, horses couldn't pull it apart if you attached it to them. It tore from top to bottom to reveal behind it the Holy of Holies, where the high priest would go and make atonement for the people. And God is saying, do you know what? You don't need priests to do that for you anymore. Jesus has done it. You can now enter into the presence of God through Jesus Christ without a priest doing it because the high priest has made atonement and a way for us. Amen! This is the Easter message, people. It doesn't get any better. Okay? There's nothing else. You know? I'm just saying what Jesus did. This is it. This is it. Choose to believe this? Fine. But I can't give you any explosions or CGI or anything. This is the stuff. Okay? Jesus died. We now have a way to God himself. But this is what is important to remember. He died. He wasn't somewhere having a holy tea break. Okay? He didn't go back up to heaven and God says, stay here for a couple of days, babe. We'll be fine. That isn't what happened. Jesus died. His mother watched him die. The women watched him die. The disciples had scattered. They were terrified. This was a big deal. So his best friends had run for the hills. Save one, John stayed. John stayed. And he stayed with the women. And they had to watch Jesus being taken off the cross as he was died. Joseph of Arimathea comes, who's bought a tomb. And it's heading up to the Sabbath, so they couldn't do anything. All they had to do, they had time to wrap the body and put it in the tomb. They didn't have time to put the spices and the oils on it that you would do for a dead body. There was no time, because the Sabbath was coming and nobody does anything on the Sabbath, right? Hence, Saturday, it's all over. You need to understand the desolation, the grief, the utter helplessness of the disciples and the women and the followers of Jesus at that time. Jesus was dead. Everything he spoke about, what was happening? Imagine that confusion. But you know what was actually happening? Jesus was winning a battle over death for us. You know? Death is swallowed up in victory, my friends. If you've lost anyone here today, we of us, a family, have. And I'm sure, sure, lots of you have. But for those who believe in Christ Jesus, we know that that death is swallowed up in victory right now. Amen? Amen. I need that. Anybody need that? I need that. Death is swallowed up in victory. And what happens is, at that point where the devil thought he'd won, and he's like, they're all mine now. Jesus is in hell itself, parading the devil before every demon, saying, I 
hold the keys to death and hell in my hand. And when I come back, I set every captive free. I am he that liveth, that liveth what was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. And I hold in my hand the keys to death and hell. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has won it all. Do you see? He's won it all. He fought the battle so you didn't have to. He died so you didn't have to. This body malingers, doesn't it? Flesh will fail. Oh, but like Job. In my spirit, his face I will behold. And at the end, I will rise with him. You see, Jesus, as with everything in the Bible, he goes before. He always goes before. This is what you have to understand. If you feel like you're left behind, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling drown, like you're drowning, what you need to understand is Jesus has gone before you. He always goes before you. He always goes before. Do you understand? Do we get it? He was dead, but he wasn't. He was going before. He was going before us so that we don't have to. Amen. Amen. Please, thank you, Jesus, for going to hell so I don't have to. I'm, you know, I could do a little heel click about that if I could. You know, it's, this is the good news. Tell your faces. <laughs> This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we get to the resurrection. Here we are. Can we get to John 20? Poor Lee. Do you know, I gave Lee loads of verses. She's like that. These aren't the ones she told me. These aren't the ones she told me. But thankfully, Lee has very quick fingers, as well as blue hair. But she is a marvelous, marvelous woman of God, and she never complains, does she? Those of us who ask Lee to do stuff at the back there, she never complains. Thank you, Lord, for Lee. Right. The Greek word for resur resurrection is anastasis. I imagine that's where we get the lovely lady's name Anastasia from. Who knew it meant resurrection? La di da. So, it means a rising up. And I love, I love John 20. I love this, I love this. Do you know why? Because it just sums up a scene for you. Do you ever read the Bible and see it in your head? Do you? Yeah, good. Because I do that. And that makes me feel less weird that other people do it as well. I imagine it in my head. You, you visualize it. Yeah, I do. Here we go. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, that's John writing this, by the way. The other disciple is John. Okay, so he was there running faster than Peter. That's what he doesn't, you know, when I say there, I went, I was faster. Right, so both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter, here we go, and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, all right, John, also went inside. He saw and believed. Amen. They still don't understand the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then they went back to the other disciples. They didn't understand. Jesus had told them on several occasions, you know, they will destroy this temple, but it will re be rebuilt in three days. They didn't understand, but they got there and saw that he had gone. Now, 
I need us to understand this. I need me to understand this. The stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out. Yeah? You all okay with that? Because Jesus is God and he can get out of tombs. He can get out of anywhere. He's God. So he didn't need the stone rolled away to get out. The stone is rolled away so that we can see he's risen. Yeah? And that is the difference. It isn't about Jesus getting out. It's about us acknowledging he has risen. You see, the disciples saw and didn't understand. They were like, what's going on here? And then, this is all in every gospel. So in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read a slightly different version of it. And in one version, there's an angel sitting in the tomb and tells them, why do you look for the living among the dead? But that's what we do, isn't it? We search through the embers of our life for some bit of hope. We search through what we were, hoping that that maybe that's the way. Sometimes when God seems distant, we cling on to what we were. We cling on to people. We cling on to relationships. We cling on to friendships. We cling on to thoughts and beliefs and entrenched behaviors that we think will make us feel better. And we fail to realize that we are actually searching for the living among the dead. Jesus says, I'm not there anymore. I'm living. Come and follow me. And I'm urging us all today, friends, all of us here today, whatever you are clinging on to that's dead or dying and is tricking you into thinking that that is the way of hope and life, leave it among the dead today. Do not search for the living among the dead anymore. Leave that alone. Be like Lazarus. Lazarus had to take off his grave clothes didn't he? When Lazarus rose, when Jesus, oh, what a miracle, when Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, he had to say to the people, now take his grave clothes off him so that he can go free. Take your grave clothes off. Jesus left his grave clothes in the tomb so that we could see he's not dead. He's alive and living. You get the, the difference? He's alive and living. No more searching for the living among the dead. Jesus is alive and living. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. And you know what? There's another one in the, in, in the Gospels where Mary is going, where have you put him? Where have you put him? To the angel she sees. Where have you put him? Just tell me. Just tell me. If you've taken his body, just say, we just want to prepare it for burial. We love him. Please, where is it? And then this man only does one thing. He says her name. He just says, Mary. And in that second, in that instant, she realizes all along that he has risen. And today, I've said this on numerous Easter's, I've said this in numerous messages, I know. Today, he's calling your name. And all Mary did was turn and call him teacher. That's all that was needed in that exchange. It was the most intimate of moments where two became one. She knew who she was. He is a good, good father. And you are loved by him. Amen? Amen. He is a good, good father. And he whispers to you. Not anything other than your name. Is that who you are? Am I my name? I don't know. But he knows who I am. He will whisper to you whatever you are. The truth of who you are. Not the made-up lies that we create in our heads sometimes. The, the emotions and feelings that we hold on to. 
that maybe others have said or done to us, but certainly sometimes the perception we have of ourselves because of our perception of the world, because of those views and feelings we have. It could be your past, it could be your upbringing, it could be anything, but sometimes we have a view of ourselves in the world that is so, so opposite to what Jesus says you are. Don't look for the living among the dead anymore. Focus on who Jesus says you are. Do you know what? He thinks you were worth dying for. Right? That's what he thinks of you. You are worth dying for. You know what? I have so much more to say. I didn't realize this message was so long. Ha. But I'm quite verbose, so I can keep going. That's absolutely fine. But we'll get to the end. I've just got a few points of what this means for us, okay? So these are the keys to Christian faith. The resurrection is the absolutely unifying thing all Christians believe, okay? We can disagree on points of other things. Women should not preach. <laughs> yes, they should. You know, there's loads of other things. Women can't do this. Women can't do that. Um, you know, we don't believe in baptism. We don't believe in the Holy Spirit. We don't believe in jelly babies. We don't believe in blah, 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 blah. There's all this stuff around it. But the unifying thing for the church of Jesus Christ is he was dead, but he rose again. Amen. And that is the thing that holds us all together. I pray unity in the church in the 21st century across all denominations. We are a sleeping giant. If only people would realize and stop worrying about the things that divide us and focus on the things that unite us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. His resurrection stands above time. It is the point in time that split time. Is it not? We now live in the new covenant. We don't live in the law, the message messianic covenant anymore but we know that Jesus is the seed of Abraham the seed of David the seed of all of that stuff and we get to him at the end of time holy moly isn't that marvelous so we don't focus on what divides us anymore but what unites us we believe in God the Father, we believe in God the Son, we believe in God the Holy Spirit, we believe he was born of a virgin, we believe he died on a cross, we believe that he is resurrected and ascended to heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father, doing what? Praying for us. Making intercession for us right now. You know he never forgets you. He never forgets you. It's not like he went up to heaven and said, and now... I'll leave it to it. He is there praying for us. And sometimes the Holy Spirit, when we don't know what words to use, will just use our sighs and our cries and our heartfelt pleading. And Jesus hears it and tells the Father, because now there is no curtain between the Holy of Holies. There is only full and unfettered access to the Father, the Most High God, through Jesus Christ, his Son and his resurrection. That is what the resurrection gains for us. So please don't be thinking God has forgotten you. When you have a prayer that isn't answered, God isn't hearing me. Oh, he hears. He hears, but he's answering in one of three ways. Yes, no, wait. That is what the Bible says. And when we focus on Jesus, we will find that our world is different because we are different because Christ is different. And he brings a different perspective and a different view. You know, I focus my life on these truths that there is the person of the Redeemer who is truly man, truly God, truly God and man. Amen. Incontrovertible truth. And then there is the completed, finished work of the Redeemer. He is prophet. He is a priest. And he is king. End of. 
And that is what we build our life on. He is our saviour. The reason I have been plucked out of deepest, darkest hell is because Jesus Christ died for me and rose for the grave so that I don't have to die. Amen. He did it for you as well. And as we go through our week this week, please, I want us to believe in a God who became human and died for his people. No other God does that. No other God does that. No other God pardons sin so freely. No other God does it. No other God has ever done it because there is no other God. And there is no other mediator between man and God but the man Christ Jesus. Hold on to him. Search for him. He is dying to be found by you. He has died to be found by you. And he is lifted high. He is exalted. We believe in a God who adores us. A God who died for us. And so this week and for the rest of our lives, in this moment, if you want him, oh, please pray that prayer. I'm sure Martin's going to pray with us at the end anyway but if if you have any fellowship with God any belief in Jesus or any longing for the Holy Spirit I urge you now as we pray and as we worship to lift your voice lift your heart lift your hands and say Jesus is Lord amen This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.